Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everyone, welcome back to Walking with Freya. If this is your first time tuning in, then welcome and thanks for checking us out. This is a place where we share stories of raising children with special needs. We share stories of, of growing up with siblings with special needs. Uh, sometimes I, I interview people that are I think are great resources. They do um, therapies and I'm just trying to build this community and create a space where everyone feels safe and inspired to share their story and hopefully to find connections through that. I hope that everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving holiday. We had a lovely time at our friend's house. They live just down the road and it ended with a sleepover for both of our our little ones and for Freya and Rona. And we did get a call in the morning from the dad who is, they're more than friends. They're, they're family, you know, the kind of family that you weren't born with, but you find as you're, as you go through life and you pull them in. We've been friends for a long time. Anyway, he called in the morning because Freya was crying about breakfast and how insufficient she thought it was. So he wasn't calling for us to come and take her off his hands. He was calling to clarify that he could give her, you know, to ask if he could give her more food and asked for, you know, advice on how to handle the situation. And over an hour later, I went to pick up our girls and he and Freya were happily playing Uno at the kitchen table. And I just, I'm so grateful to have friends like this in our life. And I wish for everyone out there that you also have friends that are like family, friends that are willing to take on the responsibilities and who understand when it's time to call for clarification. So that was a big Thanksgiving gratitude for me. And I hope you all had found something that you felt really blessed for and, and grateful for. Before we get into this interview, I have some business uh, I need to get out of the way. It's really important to the accessibility of this podcast. I have heard from many of you how meaningful it is to hear these stories. Now, imagine that for every one of you who feels that, there are countless others who need to be a part of this, who haven't yet found it. So I'm asking you to please spread the word, tell your friends, share the podcast on your Facebook groups, mention it to doctors and therapists, because maybe they know a family or a parent who could, who could benefit from this, this space. And when you have the moment, which might be right now, Go to your podcast app, find the star thingy where you can rate it. If you are feeling especially grateful for these stories in this space, perhaps take an extra moment to write a review. 
If you look this podcast up on podchaser.com, you can leave ratings and reviews for individual episodes even, which I think is really cool. I think they're the first people that are kind of doing that. Um, When you go to iTunes or Stitcher and you leave a review, it is for the whole podcast. But if you have an episode that just really called to you, you were so grateful for, you really had something to say about it, you can go to bot to podchaser.com and look it up and leave a review for that specific episode. And that will help let me know what you all like about this podcast and perhaps what I should do more of. So, so yeah, rate review. Um, we are also on Spotify now. I got the podcast. I did that like the day before Thanksgiving. I think, um, I submitted to, to Spotify and, now we're on there. So you just go to Spotify, look up podcasts, Walking with Freya comes up. And that's another way to listen. And you can also email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com to give feedback on the podcast, offer suggestions for future topics or people, and let me know if you would like to tell your story because I would love to hear it. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. That ensures that you don't miss upcoming episodes, and it helps. All of this helps. Gets the podcast higher up in the charts so that hopefully people who really need this community can find us easier. Okay, blah. That's the business end of things. My dogs are downstairs barking. I apologize. I'm just going to keep going because I have an interview that I'm doing in an hour, and I need to get this podcast out. And the interview that I'm doing today, I'm really excited about. I have three interviews today, which is amazing. I'm sorry, this week, which is amazing. So many of you are reaching out to tell your story, and I'm so excited to share these stories. One of the people that I'm interviewing next week is Sonia Story, and she created the Move, Play, Thrive curriculum. And that is the therapy, the rhythmic movement therapies and the reflex integration. All all those therapies that I do with Freya, this woman... um, she she put them together. I think that she, well, we'll hear more about her next week, but I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get to talk to her. And I am, I've mentioned in the past that I'm working on, I'm creating this writing journal for parents to work through and to help get, pull your story out and to help find clarity and healing and to work through fear and grief and all these things. And I'm, I'm, been working really hard on it and I'm so excited and it's so close I've been really heavily podcasting this week and so hopefully uh, next week I'm gonna get back to it and I will let you all know when that comes out I have some other ideas for it some bigger ideas but I'll I'll let you know when I get to that now so I have one more thing to talk about uh quickly and it doesn't have to do with the podcast but it has a lot to do with being supportive of indie authors especially me. Um, my novel, The Orchard's Descendant, is available on Amazon Prime for $12.99. You can also get it on Kindle for $0.99. Cents. If you have a Kindle, it's only $0.99. Cents. It's a great read. Check it out. I've been getting a lot of great feedback from people. Not all of them my friends, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of my friends, but um, also people that, that don't, meet, don't know me. They've been reaching out saying that they love the book. They can't put it down. And they didn't want it to end, which is fantastic. I'm, I'm so happy that people are enjoying it. I also had someone at, review it on Amazon. Um, well, it was a book reviewer, blogger, and I sent the book to her. 
and she did not give me a good review. She thought it was progressively slow, and so she gave me a bad rating on Amazon. And that's okay, because you can't please everyone. But if you do read it, which I I do think it's worth the read. I'm not just saying that because I wrote it, but the majority, everybody else that I've talked to about it, love the book. Um, So if you do read it, and you love it, please go to amazon.com, find the book and rate and review it because that would really help get the rating back up. We've been having the conversation on this podcast of being parents of children with special needs and how that can affect your ability to work and your ability to have a job. And I did a great interview last week that I'll be putting out here in the next few weeks with a woman uh, who had some great tips on how to start a business from home. And so I just want to say this is what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm so passionate about writing. I'm really passionate about this podcast and sharing these stories. I have more, a little more business, but this was good. So episode eight of Walking with Freya, I interviewed my friend Laura. She was uh, Freya's midwife. She has a podcast out now, which I've mentioned before. It's Ask Midwife 707. And for now, like it's just birth stories and they are beautiful and raw and just amazing stories of birth and Laura is an accept an exceptional human being and so I definitely recommend checking that out I bring that up because one well because she's been on this podcast and this week she interviewed me several months ago and it's coming out this week also the woman who whose episode is today was uh, Laura interviewed her and, and it's beautiful. Uh, the woman, so Kate is a woman that I interviewed for today. And I was introduced to her as Kate. She, Laura knows her as Alder. So when you look for it uh, at Ask Midwife 707, um, it's episode five and six. Check it out. There are also a few more podcasts that I've been interviewed for and are um, about to be interviewed for. So if you want to follow me on Instagram to see the notifications of what podcasts and when they come out, along with all the other sweet pictures and quotes that I post. Uh, you can find that at Walking with Freya on Instagram. And of course, the Facebook group Walking with Freya is a private group. Thanks for hanging in there through all of that. I'm sorry, there was. I'm just going to take a breath. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a lot. Okay. <clears throat> so now on to this episode. Years ago, When I was finally able to feel a bit grounded in the world of special needs, I regularly took my little ones to one of the local playgroups. And there I met a woman who was fairly new to the special needs journey and had introduced herself to me as Kate. In her arms was a beautiful boy named Osha. Osha was born with Down syndrome. I remember that I would look forward to seeing her and Osha. I knew that sitting and talking with her about this new path, with both of our metaphorical legs trembling as we stepped one foot in front of the other, was a much more pleasant and nourishing way to spend our time, rather than following Freya around from one zone to the next as I watched children younger and smaller than her zoom past with abilities that at the time I could only pray for Freya. Years later, as Kate and I have gotten steadier feet beneath us, we sat down for this talk. Thanks for being here. 
do you want to go by Alder? Or right. Kate? It's so confusing. Um. <laughs> I guess I feel like I met you as Kate. I've got two names, and it's very <laughs> confusing. I basically am Alder to all my peers, and then I'm Kate in the like OSHA parent world. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna call you Kate since we're talking about OSHA. Yeah. So we met uh, at a play group many years Is that ago. What we, met? we did. We okay. met at the play group in Redwood or in um not in Red. In Arcata. In Arcata. D Street. You're right. I remember. Oh, yeah. Cuz I That's remember we were both I mean, oh, so you have a son, Osha, mm-hmm. who has Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And when I met you, I Freya I was maybe 3. Two, maybe two. Maybe two. And just starting to walk, I want to say. Or right on the cusp. She was walking at two and a half. Okay, so she so was right on the cusp. Yeah. And yeah, like for you, it was also new. And it was still fairly new to me. I mean, I, we had only known for, well, I guess almost two years at that point. Right. And, uh, and so I remember sitting there and having conversations and... Yeah really like feeling the sense of wanting to be supportive and uh you know because I th- I think that you were st- it was still so new and mm-hmm. I remember you were trying to get on the growth hormone mm-hmm. short like by by the end of that playgroup time and anyway so that's just kind of how I, I remember getting to know you in the beginning yeah. so uh would you like to just kind of take the mic and talk mm-hmm. about um OSHA in the beginning and yeah so Osha, um, he's six now, and he was born in October. Um, he was born with Down syndrome. We found out five five days after he was born, midwives came to us and, and said, "Hey, that was that's a whole other story. Hey, we're seeing something," and then that had us go to the doctor, and he did some testing, and that took another five days. But basically. When Brandy, our midwife, came and told me that, the second she said, we're seeing something, I realized I had repressed all of that, that really right after he was born, I saw it and I repressed it in this really crazy way where I just didn't even think of it or see it for that whole little golden five days, even though we were dealing with a lot of issues. Osha had feeding problems from out the gate and he had really low tone out the gate, but he was my first baby. I didn't know uh-huh. anything. I didn't really know how weird that was. Now I do. Um, so then we took him to the doctor and they did testing. Yes, he had Down syndrome. Um, it took us a little while to kind of wrap our heads around that. The grief, um, the initial grief was really, 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 really hard. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we just began to get to know him and accept our boy. And I want to say that there is a huge gift to being handed a diagnosis right away mm. because you're shunted on a path. You're not having to sit there and wonder. You're not having to battle with doctors. I mean, and this is a struggle I know because we had to do that later. But his initial diagnosis of Down syndrome was really easy and it made things not easy, but there was a path already laid out. Like, okay, you're going to go to the regional center. They're going to hook you up. You know, this is this is what you have to do with the doctor, and you're gonna start feeding therapy. We started feeding therapy for Osha around um, four, when I say four months old, because he couldn't swallow hmm. very well, 
and he couldn't manage. Uh, I guess at that point it was just breast milk, but he he didn't nurse until he was around three months old, and then he did nurse, which is oh, incredible. Beautiful. I didn't. I had. Were given you pumping that. and giving him a bottle before yeah. that? Good. But when he first was born, we um, finger fed him with a syringe. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> a week or I, I can't even tell you how long uh, we had, you know, lactation consultants coming to the house, a bunch of people coming to the house, us going for appointments to figure out what was going on and how to get him, you know, uptaking the right amount of calories. And then I'm up, yeah, every three hours pumping, mm-hmm. maniac. And I was so gung-ho that he was only going to get breast milk and I would just never give him formula. And I felt killed myself making that happen. <laughs> I did it. Very proud that he did that. Yeah. So he only ever had breast milk. Um, but he had issues swallowing. And then as he got a little older, he had issues and still does with texture. So it took us a long time to even get to where these little tiny steps where he could, you know, take a little bit of puree, where he could take something with a little bit more texture. And even to this day, he... The majority of what he eats is pureed foods, and then there's a few things that he's decided hmm. that he can eat, and he's learning how to manage that in his mouth. It's Is it that he's not capable, or that he doesn't like it? Do you know? At this point, I think it's lack of experience, but I also think for him, it's scary for some reason. Mm. I don't know. My joke about it, just to, to be able to you know, kind of contextualize it, is that he's got this troll that stands in the way. Of things that he doesn't want to do um, mm-hmm. and you have to get through the troll and um, <laughs> the troll is really tricky <laughs> and there's riddles involved and sometimes you get through and sometimes it just takes like years to get through mm-hmm. so um, he'll manage cheese at this point and like a few like uh, he'll eat cookies if they're soft um, and he'll eat pancakes so there's like a few things he'll eat but basically he still just eats puree food do you puree at all or yeah yeah Although I buy like those packets and then I add stuff to it. So I'm at the mo- I'm the mom at the store that like fills up the cart with a million packets and then every time I do that, the person behind the counter always makes a comment about it or the person behind me always makes a comment like, "Oh, those are expensive. Oh, feeding a lot of children or oh, or they try to be nice about it, but I'm always like have my guns out to like fight that I don't even know because I'm I've just always charged because I'm expecting them to say something they usually do. Mm-hmm. Like my kid has a disability and this is luckily something he eats. Yeah, and we're grateful and yes, they're very expensive, but I'm grateful that there's something that he actually will eat. Um. Yeah, so we've been working with a feeding therapist and she's been incredible and. She also does a form of therapy called ABM that helped us uh, get OSHA to, you know, all of his milestones. Everything has been really, really slow, but he's hit all of his milestones. I kind of lost my track of thought a little bit. Um, um, well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot there's of places so many to things. go. Yeah. I know. I'm just like... But I... Go back... Can we go back for a minute to... Um, when you got the diagnosis, I'm wondering your opinion. I mean, you said there's, a, it's great to get a diagnosis yeah. that early because yeah. then you know what you're doing, but also that you really, it was nice to have those five days. Of it was. Of, would yeah. you have liked to have had more or would you have liked to have known? 
I don't think so because I think that we needed to know in order to understand who OSHA is, accept who OSHA is. Um, I really wouldn't have wanted to stay there for much longer because I think that I, I don't know if I would have started suspecting after a while. Maybe I would have, maybe not. Um, postpartum is such a weird, Ugh. hazy, intense time. It's really hard to know, mm-hmm. you know, but I think I don't judge that part of our process. I am glad that even though we had to go through that fire, we would have had to go through it anyway. I'm glad we got those five days, but they were beautiful and wonderful, but they were also really hard. Uh-huh. And it's nice now understanding why it was hard. And I think even nice then having context for what was actually going on with him and really meeting him for who he is mm-hmm. and all that he came here to bring and all that he holds, you know, kind of having that truth revealed. It's kind of crazy though. We found out basically Brandy came on uh, Halloween. So we found out this information on Halloween we went to the doctor. We went and saw Dr. Humphrey. And when he came in the room, and we're like holding Osha, and we're just all freaking out, he came in the room in a Peter Pan costume. <laughs> so I come and evaluate my child. Oh my God. Look for his Dr. Down Humphrey. syndrome markers. <laughs> he was nice about it. He was sweet. <clears throat> he was. What? It was like Bizarro World. It just like added to the Bizarro <laughs> World of it. The, the, the moment of receiving the diagnosis is sometimes can be so baffling. I don't know that there's any good moment for it. I don't know. Unless you've waited so long that finally finding that info out is like the most incredible news ever. So you learned the diagnosis. What was kind of the first steps for you as far as emotions like mm. how did you deal with it did you jump right into research yeah. and I did. yeah I mean I a lot of it is a haze of course like I've mm. buried a lot of things um when I go back I had to just even for this interview I had to go back and really like look at my notes and look at pictures because I didn't write things down to kind of protect my heart um but I know that I that we had a few days, Willie and I, where we were, you know, a lot of crying, a lot of anger, a lot of big processing. I don't know if I jumped right in from in that place or if it was a little while later, but yeah, I jumped right into research. Mad, mad research. Um, I have such a clear memory of being up at night pumping and researching. Mm. And at one point, my husband was like, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop. And I was like, I can't stop. Understand? I just wanted to understand everything about Down syndrome and what it was and mostly how to support him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found, I found a lot of things that do resonate with me that for some families that have p- kids with Down syndrome, is, it's, it's a little controversial, but I don't think it is. Um, for us is supporting OSHA's biochemistry through supplementing Uh supplementation that there's a lot that you can do to support someone that has an extra chromosome as far as using supplements to suppress, um, what is it like gene activity 
And so that's mm. something that I started researching right away. I was overwhelmed by it. Uh-huh. I remember falling on a website of a woman that had her son on a protocol and being like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like that she's giving her son all that stuff. Oh my God. And now I'm that mom that has a list of things that I give OSHA. And I didn't start right away. It took me a long time to jump into that because I wanted to research and make sure that what we were doing and what we ended up doing first was mitochondrial support because OSHA had such low tone. Uh-huh. And he was so sleepy and he was so tired that, you know, when I would take him like to Deb and do therapy, he'd only be good for maybe 15 minutes before. And he was a baby, but still, uh-huh. he didn't have energy and he didn't have energy to progress developmentally. Mm-hmm. So, so um, what did you give? What do you give for that? A series of things. There's okay. this one thing called PQQ, which once we added that in, it's a mitochondrial support. And once we added that in, Osha was a different person, like fast. <clears throat> I was like, oh my god, he has wow. Who is this person? He has energy. It's just like a light turned on. Um, I don't. For OSHA, his biochemistry just needs a lot of support. It just does. And so we started small. I kind of did it on my, I want to say I did it on my own with a little bit of support. And then I ended up getting a specialist on board, a Down syndrome specialist that's a naturopath on board to help me run labs, to help me get OSHA on thyroid medication. Um, And with every little thing that we added, I was just watching him become, you know, more himself stronger, mm-hmm. more available, just more present, able to do more things. So I honestly shudder to think of what he would be like if I didn't have him on all the supports that I do. Yeah. So I'm wondering why it is controversial. I don't fully know. I can't fully wrap my head around it. I mean, I'm definitely, I, I am supportive of any family. You know, parents can choose what they want for their kids. Why? I think that it's thought of as trying to change your child or Hmm. try to getting rid of their Down syndrome. Not that you can do that. You can't get rid of an extra chromosome. You can't. And you can help them. It's just supporting. I mean, and there's definitely um, financial things because you have to, all of this is out of pocket. You know, the the, the specialist we see is all out of pocket. Yeah. So. And I wonder if. Part of the controversy is from people who can't afford maybe to do the supplements to do that much. And so maybe there is kind of a protection there. Like they can't afford to give their children yeah. what they know, what they, if they look too far into it, maybe right. they'd be like, oh, this would be helpful, but yeah. I can't afford it. And that's really sad that we live in a culture or in a, in a system that we have, that that's even an option that our children right. don't get what they need I mean, because... It also might be that the opinions of whether to supplement or not are really strong because to supplement is to acknowledge that your child has a degenerative disease, that if you don't support them and if you don't do this, that their likelihood of getting Alzheimer's is like, what is it, 60 to 70% by early onset Alzheimer's. It's just linked with Down syndrome. Now, if you supplement... You can help that from not happening. Um, But that opinion is so strong that if you don't, you know, it kind of sounds like you're a horrible parent and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're whatever. And so then the other side is, well, just accept. Accept your child, accept who they are. And 
don't try to change who they are. And I don't know. I, I don't look at it that way. Uh-huh. Um, because I know that our journey has only been supported by all the things that I've done. And I've tried every angle to support Osha. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I can say I'm really proud of where he is. And no, it's because I just kept pushing and digging and finding the right people and trying out the right things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's a lot. Even my husband has a hard time with our protocol. Like, I have it written on the wall. He gets confused. I have to have it there. <laughs> if someone were to walk in that doesn't know us or if I were to, you know, something were to happen to me, it would be hard for someone to come pick it up. I do mm-hmm. need to document all that stuff, and I still haven't done it. I think about that sometimes. Like, It's one of those thoughts that keeps me up at night. Yeah, all the therapies that I've been learning yeah. and, and doing with Freya. and the, She doesn't get a whole lot of supplements. Um, but even just the other day, I, Andy had to get the girls off to school cause I was talking in Angela's class and, mm-hmm. and he texted me and he was like, what's this pill Freya is talking about? Oh my God. That's <laughs> so cute that she's like, I need my pill. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> and she loves it. Well, it's cause my it's, time. it's, um, it's a, yeah, it's level carnitine. Uh huh. Yeah. We've uh, done muscle. carnitine too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, that was just funny. That makes me feel good. Um, Yeah. So then the growth hormone, let's get into that because that is a whole other thing. That's so, it's so hard to get kids on that. That journey, Down syndrome aside, Down syndrome was easy in some ways for us. I mean, not at all, but that part's easy because they handed it to us and then we've navigated it. The growth hormone deficiency diagnosis was such a battle and was so painful and so frustrating and so... It took so many years for us to get there. We saw three endocrinologists, two that turned us away and just said, nope, that's Down syndrome. Go see GI. Bye. And then GI is telling us like, oh, do calorie counts. Oh, you're not feeding him enough. He's malnourished. And this is because he was so small. Yeah. By the time he was, and I had to look back in my notes. So by the time he was 10 months old, his growth started to really slow down around like actually like eight months old to 10 months old, it slowed way, way, way down. And then it just 12, he'd stayed at like the 12 month size for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to have that reflected at me every time I went out because Osha was so adorable. People would come up to me. Right. Oh, he's so cute. How old is he? And then I would tell them and they'd go, he's kind of small, huh? Oh, every time I would hear that almost every day. Oh, he's kind of small, huh? Oh my God. Yeah, You're I didn't notice. Thank you. I was pretty small, and I got to the point where, like, if I saw an old lady, I'm sorry, but an old lady coming towards me, <laughs> I'd either try to go the other way, or I would lie to her face, because I didn't want her to be like, oh, he looks really small. It was so, it just devastating, devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, what we were told again and again is that he was malnourished. So, okay, I'm not feeding my child enough, you know, we're starving him, so that's why he's not growing. That makes total sense, except that... I meticulously fed my child and made sure that he got enough. He nursed, and then once he was on calories, I had him on this like high-calorie diet. The first um, endo that we saw, we went to Stanford first, and then UCSF, and then finally UC Davis is where we ended up, which changed everything for us. But Stanford put us on a 2,000-calorie-a-day diet for OSHA, which he was like, I don't know, 15 pounds, 17 pounds, something like that. It was, it was absurd. And he had reflux at that point. Uh-huh. He still does. So feeding a 
person that small, that high calorie was insane. He was just throwing up and he was super unhappy and it was, it wasn't the answer. And I kept being, trying to push, can we just do this testing? And they just kept telling me, you know, no, no, he's, that's just down syndrome. They're small. Bye. Go to GI. You know, it's, it's, it's must be something with his absorption or you're not feeding him, you know, enough high calorie or it's, it's not, we're not going to do this testing. And also when you go to an endocrinologist, or this is my experience, um, they say that if someone has growth hormone deficiency, they look a certain way. My theory is that probably people that have Down syndrome, it's going to look different. That just makes sense to me. Um, so they're like, oh, he's not fat enough. Because usually people that have growth hormone deficiency are like short and fat. So basically it was like wall after wall. And this took many years to actually get to the point where I had an endocrinologist say like, yeah, actually he does look small. And, um, you know, they did bone ages too, to see like, Oh, how old is his bones? It's like, it's a whole medical process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we even went, I even went to the regional center and worked with a guy there. I'm not going to name his name. Um, he was helpful and he helped me compile a lot of information, but even he was like, nah, he doesn't have, that's, he just kept saying to me that Osha was malnourished, that because I had breastfed him, that for some reason he didn't get enough calories and it had stunted his growth way back when he was eight months old. And that's why he stopped growing, which is just like so shaming to uh-huh. me as a mother who has like done everything for my kid to make, to make him be the best he can be. So frustrating. So really, actually, I gave up. I was just like, fine, I give up. I, I don't even know what to do. Two endocrinologists in, I gave up. I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what else to do. And then we went to our first, maybe first, I don't know, first or second buddy walk, which is a Down syndrome awareness uh, walk, kind of like a fundraiser. So we have one locally, but they're all over the state. They're cool. Um, and I have a little community of people there that are that I've been connected to and I brought Osha there and they weren't being mean but they said to me oh he's small and I was just like freaking crushed because this is a community I'm supposed to feel safe with Mm -hmm. and they're pointing out how small he is and on one hand it crushed me but I'm glad that they did it because it put the fire back under me and I went back to my doctor and I was like no this is not right he is not growing. Something is going on. We need to find another endocrinologist. And so he sent us over to UC Davis. And there's a woman over there that actually treats people that have Down syndrome for growth hormone deficiency. What a freaking... <laughs> so I was pregnant when we got there. Like, we're waiting. I have, like, all of this paperwork and I'm ready. My guns are out. I'm just ready to, like, fight tooth and nail with this woman. And she, like, they left us for forever because we brought so much paperwork. She took all this time going through everything. And she came in, and my husband's, like, trying to calm me down. I'm, like, so fired up. I'm just ready to freak out on this woman. And she walks in, and she's like, I agree. He's small. We should do the testing. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you start crying? I um, Yeah, but I was trying to hold it back. I was so, like, charged. I think I was just, like... I had to switch gears really quick because uh-huh. I was like ready to like rip her face off. And then she's like, oh, I agree. I'm on your team. What? How are you on my team? You're an endocrinologist. Okay. 
Okay. So then it was like, then, you know, the process of doing a growth hormone stimulation test and an MRI. And then that's a whole other story. The, the growth hormone stimulation test was pretty hard for us. So that's a test where they, um, oh, it sucks, where they give a pill, which that alone was hard for us because OSHA doesn't swallow right. things. It's always like coaching these nurses and doctors on like what works for OSHA. And a lot of times they're like, no, no, like this. Yeah. Like, you don't understand. My kid doesn't swallow. Oh, why doesn't he swallow? Just he, he doesn't. Okay. He just doesn't. Right. He's not going to take that. So they like crushed it. And so they give him this stuff and that um, basically stimulates the pituitary to pump out growth hormone. And then they're able to test it. But then they put an IV in his arm. Uh-huh. And so every 30 minutes, they had to come and draw from that. And my poor guy, it was, I honestly felt like I was, like, at a bed of someone that was in labor. I had to be that, like, present with him. Like, it's okay, breathe. You're okay. I'm right here. I'm right here. You're doing good. You know. Well, you know because it was, I mean, he's probably flooded with hormones. Yeah, and it made him just... feel sick. And honestly, like, he didn't, he doesn't like being held down. And he mm-hmm. had to be held down and held really still so that they could get the draw. And so it's every... How old was he at this point? Oh, Runa was a baby. He was three, right? Okay. Yeah, three. Okay. Um, and so oh. every three or every thirty minutes for three hours. So it was it was hell. It was really bad. He it was very sad. It's like right after that test, he learned the word "ouch." Like he never said that before. And then right after that, we started hearing him like say like "ouch" when he was hurt. It changed him, I want to say, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, something really shifted for him as far as, like, he was such a trusting, open guy. But it was traumatizing for all of us. But the good news about that test is he failed wonderfully. Mm-hmm. So a fail is great when you're doing growth hormone deficiency tests. A fail means they're not making any. He doesn't make any. So the mom, who knew years before, that told everyone, no one wanted to listen to me. Oh, it's just Down syndrome. Guess what? My kid doesn't make any. Doesn't hormone. make any. Like barely. Like two. I don't know. The numbers uh-huh. very low. It was like scale of, I don't remember. It was like one to ten. And honestly, she was like, I'm willing to treat even if he passes it. But then it's like insurance battle. Yes. So probably, yeah, I know that one. Probably that, that would have been hard. Mm-hmm. If that would have even worked for us. I'm not sure. So the good news is he completely failed. So yay. We got an actual diagnosis. Instead of short stature, I love that one. Short stature. Freya's got that one. Okay, we had that for a long time, and then it got bumped for growth hormone deficiency, which is like it—it it serves us way better. It does, yeah. Well, because Freya's got the short stature, which is how she gets the growth hormone, which means that, um, it, like the battle I'm gonna have with them this next time is upping the dosage, right. and they're not gonna want to, and at some point they're gonna try and take her off growth really? hormone. Okay. Which is not recommended by the people no. that actually know what they're fucking talking right. about. Right. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the word is he'll stay on it until he's a teenager and then he'll get evaluated at that point if mm-hmm. he stays on it after that or not. Um, so how long did it take to get the shots then after that? Well, then we had to go to get an MRI, which they have to look to see if there's abnormalities in the pituitary in order for, it's all insurance, in order for insurance to say, yes, that's the issue. I mean, and it's, it is, it's valid to know. If he had a tumor on his pituitary, we'd want to know. Right. 
Um, he didn't, but yeah, MRI sucks because they have to be put under. It wasn't OSHA's first time. Oh, they had to put him under because he's so little and doesn't they can't didn't move. get. Yeah. yeah, you can't move at all. So that's scary because people with Down syndrome have floppy airways. Um, and mm. because I'm a nut, mm. I researched a lot and made sure that because it's also like there are certain things you give for Down syndrome, certain things that are no, 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 because they make glutathione, which is something that's low in Down syndrome, go even lower. And you don't want that. It's bad. And it can cause, like, backslide of their development for a while. So, um, but we made it through that. And actually, that was pretty non-dramatic. He came out of anesthesia um, easier than when he had his surgery. Um, so that part wasn't really bad. And then after that, it was, like, just waiting for insurance to push it through. And then a nurse came to the house with the medication to train us on how to use it, which that was a trip. This like random house nurse came to show us how to do it. <laughs> That's cool. They did that. We had to do it in the uh, doctor's office, and then okay. And then my friend, thankfully, uh, my good friend is a nurse, and she's just down the road. Huh. So the first shot I had to get Freya, I went down there. Mm-hmm. Freya was eleven months old. Like, oh, um, how how I I've never poked anybody. Right. Yeah, they're like practice on an orange first. It's just what? No, <laughs> it's not my baby's leg. Yeah, it's kind of different. <laughs> that part uh, wasn't. I I'm used. I'm not used to shots, but since OSHA doesn't take a lot of medications, then if he ever needed anything that could be put in a shot, I was just like him the shot. That's gonna be way easier. Yeah. Um, I don't feel super squeamish around needles and stuff, so. That part was just no big deal. Once we got to the shots, it was awesome. Uh-huh. And there was no sleep study or anything? mm We haven't done a sleep study yet, which... The thing is, like... Okay, that's a whole side note, but sleep studies are part of general Down syndrome care, but we haven't gotten one because then it's like once you find out the information, what are you going to do with that information? And if they have any issues, then they get put on a CPAP. My kid's not going to sleep right. with that. So because there hasn't been major red flags, I've just opted out of it. Yeah. I, that was one of my biggest battles was because of Freya's diagnosis, they, they would not give her the growth hormone without the sleep study. And, um, oh, because it can enlarge the tonsils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and the then hypotonia. you're just looking for that. Right. Well, and the, the first sleep study they did, she was... Uh, four, five months old, totally lethargic and floppy. Yeah. And then they, um, did it again. We didn't get to get the CPAP until what? She was 11 months or 10 months. She was a very different baby. Yeah. In 10 months, she was on carnitine. She was on mm-hmm. CoQ10. Like she was right. growing, she was stronger and she hated that thing. Yeah. And so I came home and yeah, I, that, and I, th- this is what changed it for me was, that first night I brought home, and I was like, oh, God, I just got back from San Francisco, and I, I turned the machine on, and I put it to my face to see what it does, and it just terrified me. I was like, <gasps> you know, it's like all of a sudden, <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not doing it. And so that was, that was the biggest obstacle for me, but I had, you know, good advocates on my side. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, yeah, sorry, that was... No. All of the all of the little things that come together, and you got to know who you're dealing with. Like, is this because the insurance company, or is this because of the doctor? Is this? And you really like us, like as parents, we have to be so educated Mm 
Mm-hmm. And on our game. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, every time I enter any, any you know, doctor's office or anything like that, I have to be clear and ready and I'm respectful, you know, but and ready to work as a team, but also ready to ask a lot of questions uh-huh. and not just hand my child over. I can't do that. I wanted to ask, because you mentioned that you were pregnant mm-hmm. during this, um, and that was one of the questions that I had was how was that second pregnancy like how how was it affected by what you had been through i mean it was a harder pregnancy in general um for a lot of reasons i i ended up there was there's an awesome therapist that works out of um the open door pediatric is that what it's called north country um and i went i ended up going and seeing her and she did some um, of this work called EMDR on me to help kind of like trauma release some of the stuff around OSHA, which was amazing and really crucial for me. But it definitely was harder. Um, we didn't do testing with OSHA and there was no way I was not going to do testing with Runa. So we knew pretty early her sex and that she didn't have Down syndrome. So I didn't have that to worry about. And honestly, early being pregnant with her, I felt like she didn't have Down syndrome. Um, but I was still worried. I was still worried of like autism and things like that. Cause, um, there's definitely a connection there for mm. moms. It's not uncommon to have a mom that has a child with Down syndrome and then have subsequent children that have autism. So I was, hmm. I was worried about that. And, um, after OSHA, I just got pretty strung out and way more anxious of a person. It just kind of turned on, turned up my anxiety, which is already kind of been a low-lying thing for me but it's just ramped that up since he's come onto this planet Mm -hmm. so it's not something i just have to manage in a different way yeah anxiety is a i mean i've I've dealt with anxiety and motherhood alone just with my first daughter who is typically developing and healthy like i that my anxiety definitely increased just motherhood Mm -hmm. in general and then to have a child that is so dependent on your capabilities yeah it's rough yeah and all the little battles that come along the way you know the first two years of having a child I don't know maybe any disability but especially down syndrome are really intense and we got blessings for sure he didn't have heart issues that's incredible so we didn't get like rushed into heart surgery that wasn't part Mm -hmm. of our journey but you know, we've had, I call it the grab bag as far as like Down syndrome. I don't really know what is going to come in your grab bag, but there's going to be some things. So we got some, you know, a little Down syndrome, a little growth hormone deficiency, some eating issues, hypotonia. And it's definitely different per child. Like just because mm-hmm. each child has a, the same diagnosis, they're going to be different. We're all different, you know. Genetically, we're different. Even if we have extra genetic material, it's not going to look the same. Right. I love that, the grab bag. Because that's yeah. how Prader Willie syndrome is. Yeah. It's because we're dealing with genes. Yeah. Yeah. So do, are you aware, you've done the research, are you aware of all the possibilities? Are, are you ever surprised anymore? Are you ever, like, are there things that you worry about uh, that coming up? or? I mean, I'm always worried about illness. I'm always worried about that. Um, things coming up, not necessarily, 
I feel like I've wrapped my head around the majority of, well, at least the majority of things that I'm aware of uh-huh. that could be possibilities. So there's the general worries of, you know, what's his life going to look like? Will he do this? Will he do that? Will he have a potty train? You know, all those things. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I've also learned to trust OSHA because that's been his big medicine. It's just like, trust me, I got this. Like... And I have this process of, like, giving up on things and then, like, coming back around and then he surprises me. Like, I gave up that he would ever breastfeed. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, I do this, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You do? That's amazing. We went to this Halloween, but holiday party. I think it was Christmas or maybe New Year's. And there were other nursing babies there. And I swear he just got the download. I swear he was just like, oh, that? (laughs) Oh, that's what you've been doing. And then and then after that, it was like the next day, he nursed. It was crazy. Yeah. He is kind of like that. It's it's the troll theory. It's like all of a sudden the troll's just like, oh, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> I'm going to move on to some other thing. You know, and it's just waiting him out until he decides to pick up the thing and decide that that's something that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I worry about the future a fair amount. I worry about his rights a fair amount. Uh-huh. Um, we have him in an amazing school that's uh, Glen Paul, so it's the oh, okay. you know school for kids that have disabilities, and I love it. It's so supportive and amazing. But will we ever mainstream? I don't know. I worry about that. I worry about him being forgotten. I worry about mm-hmm. him being bullied. Um, all of those things are scary. Mm-hmm. I With mean, people I, that. I just, yeah, for Osha, I feel like he's around neurotypical people all day long. Mm-hmm. So for him to be around peers that also, you know, have Down syndrome, that are on the spectrum, that, you know, can kind of relate to him on that level, I feel like that feels right, at least for now. Yeah. You know? It feels well, then good. he can form those good relation, good relationships with them. Yeah. And and he gets all that attention. And Plus, he a, probably gets in anyway because of the diagnosis. That's probably... Oh, yeah. 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 It's... Down syndrome. Come on in. Yeah. yeah. So he probably is not one of those diagnoses for I, some reason. That's weird. It is weird. <laughs> it's it's one of those stupid things. Like I've heard it. Be, I've heard it said like, oh, Down syndrome is the catalog of genetic disability, which is I hate that. I hate it. I hate that saying. It's gross to it's me. It's the Cadillac. It's the Cadillac. But I also oh I get the context. I understand what they're saying. But it, I mean, it's totally offensive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's horrible. <laughs> Why are we quantifying I mean, it like that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. That's just the thing. I've heard that lots. Not even just once. Multiple multiple times. Hmm. But And that's just because... What? Because there's so much information? I guess because it's so common or something. Uh-huh. Because it's... That's why. Because it's the most common genetic, um, you know, abnormality. That's what I'm trying to come up with. Okay. So you said you wanted to talk about um, how to be an advocate and mm. uh, for Down syndrome specifically. Mm-hmm. I'll start with this question. Like, have you always been one of those people that's, that can speak up and really no. say what you need or you, no. have you had to learn it? I've had to learn it and I struggle with it still. If I'm with someone that says, you know, Down's kid, if I'm with someone that says, even Down's, a lot of times I choke up. And I don't always say it. If I trust the person, I will. Mm-hmm. But I don't always say it. So it's kind of a daily 
I don't want to even say a struggle, intention for me to do my best for him and to try to put him first and try to think of, of him in those moments to say, hey, you know, that, that isn't the appropriate way to talk about people that have Down syndrome. It's that per- person first language. Right, which we didn't get recorded. Okay. So let's talk about that for yeah. a minute. So person first is the person comes first, not their diagnosis. Right. So you so, don't say like a Prader Willi kid, you say a kid with Prader Willi. Yeah. Yeah. You don't say cancer kid. You don't say asthma kid. You don't say Down's kid. You say person with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my son Osha. He has Down syndrome. I say DS and I say Down syndrome. I don't say any of the other um, combinations of things. Other parents do. I try not to shame parents if that's a term that they feel comfortable with. I don't know. And I think it's an ongoing evolution of conversation, especially right now. I think that there is so much happening for uh, marginalized people in our country, in our world. And so a lot of things are shifting as far as the language that's appropriate to use. Um, A friend of mine brought up something interesting. So we posted something online and... Um, someone commented, I think my, so my husband posted something online and someone commented back something about people with Down syndrome being angels. And so for my husband and I, and a lot of people, even that is a triggering thing because calling people with Down syndrome angels, oh, they're sweeties, downsies, you know, infantile, what is that? What infantile. Yes. Um, it's offensive. Mm-hmm. They're humans. My child is not an angel. He's not happy all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up, especially when he was little, and be like, oh, is he happy all the time? Uh-huh. Oh, he must be happy all the time. No, he's a human being. Human beings are not happy all the time. No matter what's going right. on with them genetically, we're, we have all kinds of emotions. My child is grumpy and sad and happy and... You know, all the spectrum. And so to limit someone by just saying like, oh, they're so cute and they're angels and are they happy all the time? I kind of feel like is a way of making their disability palatable for people. Like we cherry pick what feels good and what is cute and what's acceptable and all the rest. Let's just shove all that over into the corner because we don't like to see that stuff. The hard stuff, the stubborn stuff, the ugly tantrum on the floor 12 year old in a diaper stuff like let's mm-hmm. not talk about that and just call them down z's and move on right yeah give them a cute little name mm-hmm. i think that two things i was thinking about one like and saying that like that lumps them all together like because they have this diagnosis and they must yeah. all be the same right they become a they yes yeah yeah and then also i think i was also thinking of like the parents perspective like oh what an angel, a piece of cake for you. Yeah. How easy for you that you have an angel when they don't yeah. see, like it just takes away all of the the fighting yeah. and the struggling and the therapies and all the work that you're doing. Yeah. This discounts all, all the of tears, that. All of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do understand why it gets generalized that way. My son has a huge heart. He's super sweet. He's very social. Those are stereotypical things, but mm-hmm. not every person with Down syndrome is like that. Let's just stop with that and like let a person be a person and let their person come first and all the other things just be, you know, 
things that come that are a part of who they are, but not the definition of who they are, because it's just easier for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually on the, I think it was the National Down Syndrome Association mm-hmm. site that I looked on. That was one of the questions are, that of like frequently asked questions. Are, are people with Down Syndrome always happy? And they're like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they're not. No. Um, Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and and I get like there are stereotypical characteristics with Freya's disorder, and mm-hmm. that, but it runs the gamut. Like yeah. there are so many yeah. different ways that it manifests to varying degrees, and um, yeah, it's I and I really it's interesting that I've been seeing that a lot lately. That that reminder of where you put the diagnosis compared to the mm-hmm. to who they are, mm-hmm. and. And I know some people out there, probably a lot of people are like, oh, whatever, it doesn't matter how you say it. But I think that it does. It does. I think language is very important. And yeah. especially as we're building it as we go along in our culture. I mean, it... it yeah. When you're dealing with a marginalized uh, group of people that have to fight for a lot and that are so heavily <clears throat> discriminated, people with disabilities, people with Down syndrome, um, yeah, it matters a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. How is the, I know they're pretty, Runa is three? She's two. She's two. two so they're still pretty young yet, but how is that sibling relationship? It's, it's so typical in so many ways. <laughs> it's like gloriously beautiful some moments and then a lot of conflict in other moments. Um, their relationship now is pretty simple, you know, because they're so young, like you're saying. They get along and sometimes they don't. Runa is still young enough that she's not really asking questions or I don't even know if she's really at the point where she can understand that there's a difference there. But, yeah, I'm concerned about it when it does happen, how to protect her and how to explain it to her and her process that she's going to go through of her own grief of having, you know, a brother that's different. And I know that's going to shape her life, period. It is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel really sad about that and other times you know i have to just give that up because it is what it is she came here however we look at it i do believe that she chose to join our family and i that includes being osha's sister Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) wait what did she wait it's been interesting doing this podcast and talking with speaking with siblings that um you know, some ins- were inspired to go into special education. Yeah. Actually, a few of them that I've spoken with, the majority that I've, you know, have gone into special education. And I think it, what a what a beautiful opportunity to grow up having a really good sense of compassion. I agree. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, sometimes I look at Rona, my youngest... And I'm like, does she have compassion for yeah. Rena, or is she just totally annoyed? Yeah, Runa doesn't have much compassion for, for Osha, and I don't know that I think... And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they need that person in their life. Yeah. It's just like, oh, like, come on, whatever. Head, come on. Yeah, just get up and let's go. Yeah. Stop. Right. But it's all those things. It's, yeah, it's it's territory that I'm that's still new and that we're going to be navigating and that 
sometimes terrifies me and it's, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, we should have had another kid so that Runa wasn't the only one, but we feel done with our family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What advice do you have for <sighs> people, parents that are just kind of starting on this journey? Where? Well, I mean, trust yourself in your process. And give yourself a lot of space for the feelings that are going to come up, because that's all normal. And push a lot and get a really good doctor, a really good GP on your side, pediatrician. Okay. One that you trust. One that is not going to be looking at your child um, in the lens of like back in the 50s, which we do have around here. That's progressive enough to support if you want to do alternative things. I'm not saying you have to do alternative things, but... One that supports that. Um, it's really hard to even get like proper thyroid testing around here or a doctor to sign off on that. It's a battle. Keep pushing. Just push and push and push and push and push. I feel like there's a lot of closed doors, but there's a lot of open doors too. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of just like taking a moment and just waiting for another opportunity to, to move forward. And sometimes you have to stop and just wait talk to people and cry and gather your energy and then keep going. Um, and I think it's all about pulling resources, pull whatever feels right for you around you, the people, the books, the podcasts, the, um, the inspiration to, you know, help build a world around your child that is alignment with who they are and who you are. Yeah. And take care of yourself too. It's all about self-care too especially for us moms that have children with special needs it's a lot so don't just pour all into them and not take care of yourself too yeah and uh maybe do something i didn't do which is document all of the medical everything every name every appointment everything that happened all the medications what the reactions were have a very detailed just from the get-go if you can yeah i didn't do it I didn't do it either, and they even it's sent a me like a binder with like they made it so yeah. easy, and I just I did I I'm very I did yeah. in the beginning like the first year I have That's notebooks um, yeah maybe not the the entire year but in the beginning I wrote down the supplements how much yeah. and now. And I think that's okay too. I kind of came to that at some point of just like yeah. you know what, at some point we've just got to live our life. It's true, it's true. Like don't maybe don't go crazy on it, but try to be organized. So well, especially that in the beginning, it's when you're easier trying. for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, it's it's hard to remember all the doctors' names, and it's those little details of like, oh, you know, child had a reaction with this or didn't, or this worked out or this didn't. It's nice if you don't have a brain that remembers all those things, or you're working <laughs> with multiple people and partners to just have a place where that information goes. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. So how are you now? Do you feel stronger? Do you feel yeah. like you've got this? Like yeah. you are ready? Yeah. I'm way stronger now. Um, I Once we got through like the growth hormone battle of our lives, that was such a release, especially seeing how well he's done on it. He's grown nine inches, by the way. Since he started in 
2012, so December 2016. He's wow. one inches. His body's like, finally. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I do. I feel. I feel good. I feel in a place where I have enough for myself and for my family. And when I can reach out to other moms, especially the new moms, if I can, you know, contact with them and offer support. I really love doing that and happy to do it just because the beginning is so hard and it can feel so isolating and so alone. And not everyone wants any support at that point, but it's like, you know, if someone wants it, I want to be available. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I feel proud of where we, how far we've come and how much we've gone through. And what I see in Osha now, it feels good. I feel proud of that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. feels good. Yeah. If you ever have a moment where you're, where you're feeling like you need to, to call on something else or, or find that, how do you? Like, where do you? Lots of different ways. When I'm really, really worried, we have a sweat lodge at the house. When we're really worried, we we pour a sweat and we pray and we cry that out and we put those prayers up and get cathartic with it. And sometimes you have to do that because a lot of these things feel so much bigger than just me worrying away in nighttime and not sleeping. Um, So I feel like that's really helpful for me. Because in the end, I can talk to everyone, and no one really has the right thing to say. So, yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty big on self-care. I, I do a lot of things to try to keep myself feeling balanced and healthy and take note of when I don't feel balanced and healthy because I, I know that if I'm going down, the whole ship's going down. Mm-hmm. So I try to just be really aware of that. Good. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing for, for maybe women especially, um, you know, this idea that we should take care of ourselves, even that we should that we should make a, make the time to take yeah. care of ourselves. That's been something that I've definitely struggle with. Yeah, I think we have to remind each other of that, you know, that it's okay to go do something for yourself. In fact, it benefits everyone if you do. Uh-huh. Fill your cup. That way you're able to do all of the things. And when you notice, like, hey, I'm in a halt moment, take that moment when you can and try to find that thing that helps you feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little group of us, mostly moms that have kids with Down syndrome, but a few others, and we'll get together, um, I don't know, every couple of months. And that's really helpful, especially... You know, special needs moms, we have so much that we're trying to navigate and so much we're worried about and thinking about. We could literally sit there and talk for hours and hours and hours of just passing around ideas and thoughts and oh, struggles of this and that and how did you navigate this and what's your plan with that. Oh, um, great. I find that really helpful. How did you meet these women? I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> you remember anymore? I think I got connected maybe through Deb. I don't remember because it's been so long, uh-huh. but it's kind of grown. We don't have a huge community here, but um, it's enough. That's and now great. anytime I meet a parent or a, especially a mom that has a child with a disability, I just feel connected. Uh-huh. And if there is a resonance, I'm happy to try to connect and spend time because it's just so crucial. Our experience is different and we mm-hmm. really need that common 
ground and that common experience and to feel held and not feel weird for being different than all the rest of the moms out there. Right. And to be able to say things without needing to explain them. Yeah. And to, you know, to, I mean, I find that easily that I gravitate towards if I'm at a gathering and there's a mom with a kid with special needs, I've definitely, it's kind of where I gravitate to. Yeah, me too. And then, yeah, it's a feeling of safety because it, it, it can be so hard Mm-hmm. You know, I still feel anxiety bringing OSHA into um, a setting where people don't know us or somebody's house we haven't been over to before. It's really, really challenging because he's just in every. He's a runner, one, and he gets into things and he doesn't listen. So it's it's tough. Uh-huh. I know not everyone is cool with like, oh, I'm sorry, my child threw this in the toilet because you left the bathroom door because <laughs> it's your house. Or he won't stop going up your stairs to get into your bedroom over and over and over and over. Yeah. So it's nice to have community that understands and supports. And we do have that. And it's really nice to have people that really understand. And they're like, I get it. It's fine. Uh huh. We've dealt with this and a lot of other things that we can relate on. Yeah, it's important. Yeah so thankful for that and it took me a while to get there to really like connect with other moms and to trust other moms like in the beginning we were talking about playgroup um playgroup was so hard for me at that point it was so hard to deal to just like talk to other moms and I felt really um protective of him and you know they're gonna ask his age and they're gonna make a comment about his size and then if I start talking about his disability they're gonna feel weird probably or pity me, or something. I didn't go that much. I, I really didn't take him that much. Yeah. I mean, at least in my memory. But yeah, no, you were sporadic. I was always looking forward to seeing you. Really hard on me emotionally. Yeah. It was great to see you there. It made me feel like so much better because we could talk uh-huh. and relate. And I didn't feel so, like, I don't know, exposed or mm-hmm. something, which is rough. It's, it's hard that those were my feelings, but it is what it is. Yeah. It's understandable. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We all get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything that you wanted to say that we didn't cover? A few things about OSHA just that are about him. It'd be nice to talk just about his personality. Yeah. Um, OSHA (laughs) is a performer. He's amazing. He loves to sing. He loves to dance. He loves... Uh, he loves all musical instruments, drums. He really likes brass bands. Like he really like, and he'll do this like he'll kind of like air horn. He just he's all up oh, in it and loves it. If there's a performance happening and he can get on stage, he will. You'll have to keep him from not doing that. Like there was West African. Luckily, we knew the ladies on the plaza this summer, and they're dancing, and he was out there dancing too. Oh. Like he cannot stop That's so himself cute. from getting out there and performing. Um, we've gone through many sets of microphones. They always get broken because kids don't respect microphones. So weird. Throw them on the floor. But he loves to sing. He loves to perform. He um, he doesn't speak super great. He's working on it. But he can sing. Like he knows lyrics to songs. It's uh-huh. very strange. He can almost sing a whole song. 
but he can't exactly have a full conversation with someone. So is it even more articulate when he's singing, or is it just bit. that? Now it's just more words. Okay. Because he's memorized how it goes. Okay. Um, I love that part of him. He's like a total like Frank Sinatra crooner <laughs> kind of guy, <laughs> and he's so sweet, and he. He's a very sensitive guy, and there are moments where we've been to things where the energy's really, really high. Mm-hmm. He just gets it. He just kind of like hones in and understands, and that part of him, I feel like, is such a like a central part of who he is. I don't always get to see that part, but this like inner wisdom and knowing, there's these moments where I see him just acting completely appropriate, because that's what you do, and feeling deeply and being a part of something that's like really a lot of big energy and he and he rides it really well which is super cool yeah he's a big hugger he'll hug anyone that's kind of a problem but it's also pretty sweet <laughs> it's pretty sweet yeah and yeah most people that know him love him love to be around him and he's just a delight mm-hmm. he really is does he how does he get along with peers <clears throat> pretty good it took him a while but I think because I just didn't have him around that many kids but um, he has a couple little friends in his class and it's I think it's pretty sweet you know he still kind of is like his own guy he doesn't he doesn't talk about his peers too much but he definitely is excited every day to go to school and excited to see people and hugs everyone when he comes into the room and it's very, very cute. Aww. Yeah. But they love him there. Yeah, he's like the star. He's the star <laughs> of the class. He performed in his talent show. They always do a talent show at the end of the year. He was the youngest kid to get up there and perform and sing. And he sang. And he was so brave. Like, the, a huge room full of people. And he performed like it was nothing. Like, he's born to do this. It was incredible. So awesome. I was so proud. And I think that's one of the things. Somebody was asking for advice on one of the Prada Willie sites. They had just gotten a diagnosis. They had a five-week-old. And they said, you know, what What do we need to know? Mm. And I said, um, you know, just know that you're going to be happy again. Yeah. Just know that your life is going to be beautiful and joyful. And you're going to have to, you know... You gotta, you gotta do the research. You gotta know what you're dealing with, and you gotta, you gotta fight for it. But, you know, and I said, the fear is good in a way because that's what pushes you to, to it be an, such a good advocate. Work. Yeah, keeps you going. Yeah. So, you know, you gotta have that fear a little bit, but it's just that's what I. That's like the first thing that I want people to know is like you're gonna be, you're gonna be happy. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna laugh again. Yeah. Life is going to be beautiful. Yeah. It will be different. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes normal. And then you forget. Like, I don't always see my child's disability. I'm not always looking at it. He's him. You know? He's allowed to just be him. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I do see it, but that is okay, too. But, yeah, life turns into this whole other thing that you didn't expect, but that is still thousand percent worth it worth living worth experiencing child is worth being on this planet they deserve to be here they have every right to be here and be different and to live their life and to have their path look different than other people's they have every right to be here and i'm glad 
that my son is here. I'm glad that your daughter is here. Me too. And I think it's brave to come on this planet and be different. And it's inspiring in a way. Mm-hmm.